Thank you, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, one and all. It is an honor to be sitting at my desk before a screen, hopefully talking to many of you, and to introduce the second annual All Nine Yards Award. That's right, round of applause. We're here, February 5th, the biggest event of the entire season. The Pro Bowl is happening tomorrow, but we're going to have to get these awards out of the way before that happens because, I mean, they're regular season awards and I can't let somebody's outstanding Pro Bowl performance affect how I rate them. Uh, but yeah, we have, a, we have a long list of awards to get to today, including um, and limited to MVP, Offensive Player of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, Offensive Rookie, Defensive Rookie, Comeback Player, Coach of the Year, Executive of the Year, Biggest Disappointment, Sleeper Team for Next Year, and Most Improved. Now, Caleb, uh, I, I will start with the big guns here. We'll start with MVP, and then we'll just go down the list. Um, take it away. Who is uh, who's your MVP for this NFL season? Yeah, this is a tough one. There's, I think most people think there's like three good candidates, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Joe Burrow. Mm-hmm. Um, that's tough. I think it's really close. I think all three are close, but I got to be honest with you. Might be cheating a little bit here. I'm going to go with Joe Burrow, though. Wow. And I'm going to explain that because I know technically they don't um, really consider the playoffs, mm-hmm. but I think you should. I think you should consider everything up until the awards, you know? Mm-hmm. I- I'll put it like this. I do a top 25 for college basketball, and it's due Monday morning. And they say, even though it's due early Monday morning, you can't ignore the Sunday night games. Exactly ignoring the playoffs kind of feels like ignoring the Sunday night games to me. Mm-hmm. So I, I just feel like at this point, you've seen what he does even before the playoffs. He, he had a, just a, a good argument to, to be the MVP, the way he's turned around the Bengals totally not. He's not only played great, he's totally changed around the culture. Mm-hmm. And I think that's uh, that's something that's really big as well. So it's really close. Any of those three, I think, would be totally fine. Wouldn't be upset if any of those three won. But at this point, just the way they have turned around, I'm going to go with Joe Burrow for MVP. Wow, that's, uh, that's, that's a bold one right out the gate. I was, I was seriously contemplating going with Burrow, um, uh, being, like, dead serious. I was like, I mean, he's just played so well. He can't ignore the playoffs. But I was – I worried – given how the rest of my awards are going to go, that I might come off a little too Bengals bias if I give them a Burrow MVP off rip. So I'm not going to do that, but Bengals fans, hold your horses because there is plenty more Bengals awards coming. Um, But I will start with MVP. And this one for me was between Brady and Rogers after I'm like, I I just can't do Burrow. Um, And Brady had this stats but i'm gonna do something that you didn't and i am gonna think of it in strictly a regular season sense strictly a regular season sense because that you know that's what they describe i agree that they probably shouldn't ignore the playoff games but for me i I just i told myself the parameters for just the mvp award i'm just thinking strictly a regular season sense and i went with aaron Rodgers. i'm aware he's the odds on favorite i'm aware this is kind of boring but it's just the way i had to go in the regular season he was playing really, really great football. I mean, outside of a blip in week one, he had some fantastic games uh, in the regular season. He was, you know, he had the fewest amount of interceptions in the NFL. He was tied for fourth in touchdowns, 10th in yards. He, he played very well um, in the middle and the second half of the season. So I think that's something you just can't ignore 
when talking about a quarterback. So for me, Aaron Rodgers is the MVP. Again, odds on favorite. I'm aware, a little boring, but we'll get to the spicy wins later. Now, offensive player of the year, Caleb, what do you have to say about this one? This is another one. This is close. I think there's a, a few good candidates here. I'm going to go with Cooper Cup, though. Nice. nice. I think he's, you know, I think if you would have said this, you know, like 15 or so, I think mm-hmm. most people would have said Jonathan Taylor, but mm-hmm. the Colts ended up missing the playoffs. I think it's hard to give it over Cooper Cup. Lambs had a great season. And before this year, we didn't really talk about him a lot. I, I didn't even consider him top 10 uh, before the season, but he has just taken his game to another level. He is really, I mean, the way he explains the game as a receiver is really impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just his connection with Matthew Stafford, despite it only being their first year together, is truly amazing. So it was close. Jonathan Taylor deserves an honorable mention for sure. Don't forget about him just because the Colts missed the playoffs. But at this point, the way he's taking his game to the next level, how much of a safety blanket he has been for Matthew Stafford and in, in the Williams route to the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with Cooper Cup for offensive player of the year. Uh, a solid and, and, a, and a good pick there. I was, for me, initially for this award, it was between Cup and Taylor. Um, but in the 11th hour, right before, you know, we, we started recording, I, I thought about it and, and thought, well, you know who an offensive player is? I don't think was getting enough respect for how well he was playing. I mean, people kind of started to get onto the train close to the end of the season um, and was on a team that was successful that made the playoffs. My odds of an offensive player of the year is Debo Samuel um, because I think he summarizes just that offense. He's, he's almost a positionless wonder at this point. I mean, he had the, the best average of yards per catch uh, in the entire league of 18.2, but he also did an incredible job rushing. He rushed for eight touchdowns, 365 yards, the most rushing touchdowns by a receiver um, of all time. His receiving again was fantastic. 1400 yards, six touchdowns. Uh, eight, like I said, 18.2 average. And he's doing this with, I think, what many people would consider to be mediocre QB play. Um, and Brandon Ayuk was battling injuries. George Kittle was battling injuries. I mean, he basically put this San Francisco offense on his back for most of the year. And I think was a huge part of their midseason turnaround that led them to the NFC Championship game. Um, so, I mean, no disrespect to Cup. I, I just, he plays in such an, an offense with talent all around him that, like, yes, he had a great year. But just in my opinion, you look at what Debo did. I think if you put Debo in that L.A. offense and you take Cup and put it in the San Francisco offense, Samuel has just as good a production, if not more, and Cup doesn't really match what he did. Again, honorable mention to Jonathan Taylor. I mean, he was first in literally like every major statistical category for a running back, which is very impressive. Um, Ultimately, the Colts weren't giving him the ball enough down the stretch, which is probably why they missed the playoffs. But uh, yeah, Debo Samuel, my offensive player of the year. Now, Caleb, defensive player of the year. This one's an interesting one. There's a lot of good options here. So who, in your opinion, has been the best this year on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, this is another one. It's like all these are so close. I think each one has like three or so candidates that are. Mm-hmm. So I think that I will go with uh, TJ Watt for defensive yeah. player of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, it's close. You go Miles Garrett. Um Michael Parsons, those who are other good candidates, but I'm going to go with TJ Watt just because it feels like he's the most valuable of those. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw obviously with the, what tied the sack record and we just saw in the games he missed, the Steelers were significantly noticeably a worse team. And you yeah. don't really see that a ton from on the defensive side when a single defensive plays out, usually doesn't make a huge difference, but you could really see um, that they were a way better team with him. So I think when you look at that, 
obviously that Steelers defense had to kind of carry that team because they had a subpar offense with Big Ben at the at the quarterback. So I think because of that, we deserve extra props. Obviously, you got to respect the sack record, like I said. Um, it's close, but just the way he brought and how different he made that defense look, I'm going to go with T.J. Watt. Yep, uh, I too am going to go with T.J. Watt. We've matched the first time uh, this episode. This one was a tough one for me between T.J. Watt and T.J. Watt and A.J. Terrell, who I think deserves a lot of credit um, for playing a very underrated season in Atlanta. But um, but yeah, ultimately I had to go with T.J. Watt for the reasons you mentioned, just value. Like uh, you think of Watt compared to I mean Terrell and like other guys like you know Parsons, Diggs all those guys. And really, I mean, like you said, when the, when the Steelers had TJ Watt on the defensive side of the ball playing, like not hindered, their defense was good. It was like top 12 good when TJ Watt was on the field. When he wasn't, the team couldn't get anything going on offense or on defense. Their only big wins came with Watt on the field. And he actually scored their first touchdown of the playoffs. He had a fumble six. So uh, I, I think he deserves a lot of mention here. I mean, I'm, I, I think if there had to be a defensive player to go for MVP, it would be TJ Watt too, just because you talk about that value he's given um, to the Steelers team. So yes, TJ Watt, my defensive player of the year. Uh, now we transition into the rookies and this should be uh, this should be a fun exercise. Uh, I think we all know who I'm going to pick, but Caleb offensive rookie of the year, who have you gone with? Yeah, for me, this one's pretty easy. I know Mac Jones gets a lot of love. Um, and he was good. He was better than I thought he was going to be. I'll, I'll admit that. But mm-hmm. you got to go with Jamar Chase, too. I mean, oh, yeah. I think there's – I don't really think it's super arguable. I think just the way he changed, obviously, Burrow's improvement um, it was a big reason the Bengals improved. And, obviously, the receiver is is a pretty much dependent on the quarterback in a lot of ways. But still, just the way – he improved that offense you could see he made Burrow a lot more comfortable and just adding another weapon and the way he played against the Chiefs in the regular season was really his game was like okay I think that was the game I was like okay he locked it up in my opinions but um yeah I, I just feel like the way he just took that already good offense to another level he's already a top 10 receiver in the NFL I believe um as a rookie so I think uh this one's definitely Jamal Chase's award Yep. Um, I couldn't agree more. I mean, Chase has just been, we see the impact he's made on that Bengals team. It's just been incredible. I mean, I was very happy when the Bengals drafted him over Penny Sula. I thought he was the right pick. He was having some drop issues um, in the preseason. I was thinking, okay, maybe he won't be like a game wrecker uh, for it, but he should, you know, give these like a solid 800 yards, maybe like five touchdowns. Boy, oh boy, has he blown that out of the water. I mean, what a season for Jamar Chase. It's just been incredible. He's got 1,400 yards. 13 touchdowns, just it just some um, incredible statistics. I mean, he and he's doing this on like none of the receptions that the other guys are doing. Like Cooper Cup obviously had had a lot of yards. Uh, Devo Samuel a lot too. I mean, all these other big thousand yard receivers. But Chase is in, is in outside the top twenty in receptions. Um, in receptions, he only had eighty one receptions. All these other guys, they're they're cracking a hundred uh, to get to where they are, which is to me makes it that much more impressive. I mean, he's the quintessential deep threat. Um, he's great on the back shoulder. He's great in the toe tapping red zone. I mean, they don't think there's really a hole in his game. He plays much bigger than he is on like the stat sheet and he plays really strong. Um, and, and he's the, one of the biggest reasons for the, for the Bengals turnaround, uh, especially how we played down the stretch. That's the most impressive thing to me. Um, obviously he had his like absolute world beating, uh, point in the middle of the season where, you know, he was getting like two touchdowns a game, 500 yards, all that stuff. 
Um, but it was really at the end of the season that I think he really turned it on. Um, he had a great game in the playoffs against both Vegas and Tennessee. Obviously, he had the best game by a rookie wide receiver in NFL history against the Chiefs um, in the regular season. And then he had the game he needed to have against the Chiefs in the playoffs. So really just some great just performances all over the board from Jamar Chase. So for that reason, I think he's my offensive rookie of the year. So Caleb, defensive rookie now. Um, this one also a little bit of a runaway, but who have you gone with? Yeah, I think like you said, it's it's pretty clear. Michael Parsons, for me, he's the only one that, I mean, when we talk about defensive player of the year, I gave him a little bit of a shout out. Um, mm-hmm. He changed that Cowboy defense, obviously. You know, Trayvon Diggs got better. Uh, Dan Quinn helped the, you know, the defensive scheming and all that. But it's really him is who I'm going to give the majority of the credit for. I mean, he can do so much linebacker. He can, you know, be a great pass rusher. He's really versatile. So the way that they have used him and the way that he has wreaked havoc all over opposing teams as a rookie is just so impressive to me. Um, and he really made, I think without him, I think the, he, the, the Cowboys don't win as many games. I think they lose a, a couple more games because of how much he changed that defense around. So this one was easy for me. There was some other good defense rookies, of course, but for me, this was probably the easiest award. Uh, yep. This is also another easy one for me. I have gone with Parsons too. I mean, I think you look at what he did at that defense and it's very similar to what TJ Watt did in Pittsburgh. I mean, he wasn't drafted to be an edge rusher, but they put him in edge rusher because of injuries. And I mean, man, did they strike gold there? Uh, he just had a fantastic season. Um, he really was, was playing a lot better than I think people thought he could. He 13 sacks, 64 tackles, three fumbles, four uh, great statistics from the player from Penn State. I mean, he even beat Terry killing a 40-yard dash. Like, that's impressive. But, uh, but, yeah, it was just a great season from Parsons. He kind of was everything the Cowboys needed him to be, and he was a huge reason for that team's defensive turnaround. And, yeah, he's been crucial. So now uh, Opoi, Depoy, Oroy, Deroy, MVP all out the way. We're going to go now with most improved player, Caleb. Who have you gone with for your most improved? This is this is definitely the toughest one for me. I mean, this is mm-hmm. – you really have to think about it because it's improved. You have to look at what they were last year. You have to consider, you know, how much they improved, how good they are now, all that. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna be a little – you know, it's going to be a repeat award. I know this is the easiest answer, but I'm going to go with Cooper Cup here. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like I said when I talked about him for Offensive uh, Player of the Year. Uh, I didn't consider him top 10 receiver last year. I don't really know anybody who did. Not many did. Um, and now he's cemented himself top five and top three. Uh, some people think he's the best. Um, just the way he's improved his game, um, the way he has been used in so many more ways. He's expanded his game. He can be used in a lot of different ways. Um, and maybe the improvement of quarterback is probably a, a part of the reason for that but still I've just been really impressed he could kind of just exploded onto the scene this year so I think that he definitely is the most improved for me yep and uh, a, a worthy pick a worthy candidate uh, I have gone with someone who I mentioned earlier uh, in this episode but I've gone with AJ Terrell um, I think not a lot of people were talking about this guy throughout the season I mean a fair bit of people were calling him underrated, so he's really underrated anymore. But I think for the most part, he wasn't getting a lot of national coverage, mostly because the Falcons' defense was pretty bad uh, mm-hmm. in general. But I thought he was one of the bright spots um, for that team this year. He played really well. I think a lot of people questioned his draft choice um, when they picked him. But for me, to look at his PFF grade is is the biggest thing that, that puts it over for me. So 
2020, his PFF grade was 60.8. He wasn't even in uh, the top 40 in, in corners of the NFL. Uh, and then in 2021, his PFF grade 82.7, and he's the second highest graded corner in the NFL, only three decimal places behind Jalen uh-huh. Ramsey, who I think many people consider to be the best corner in the league. So for me, this is the, just the epitome of improvement in Terrell. He only allowed 29 receptions on 66 targets. That's pretty good. I mean, 27 receptions allowed over a whole season is very impressive, especially a 17 game one um, solo tackles uh, 56, nothing to crazy sniff at there, but his three interceptions were top 10. Um, and really is overall, it's a great season from Terrell. I think not a lot of people were giving him credit for it, but he certainly has improved since last year. Uh, out of the players for now, aside from this one last award, comeback player of the year, this one has been a two horse race all season, Dak Prescott, Joe Burrow, and maybe even Nick Boza, but I doubt it. Uh, so Caleb, who have you gone with here? Comeback player of the year, Joe Burrow or Dak Prescott? Yeah. I don't know if I, if I haven't checked the odds. Is, is Dak Prescott still the favorite? I kind of I, it, I mean, I highly doubt he is, but he might be. I mean, I'll uh, check right I'll now, be, but yeah. But yeah, it's Joe Burrow for me. I mean, you look at it. They both came back, um, and you look at one, made the Super Bowl, one lost in the first round, one was an MVP candidate, one is not. So Dak Prescott had a good season. He's a good quarterback. He definitely, we saw his value because they jumped up. They won a lot more games this year than last year, so we know he is valuable, but he didn't really turn them around and make as big of an impact as Joe Burrow made. And I think that is the real separator between those two. So a lot of respect to Dak Prescott, but at this point, I think it's Joe Burrow pretty easily. Yep. Um, and to give you an update on that, somehow, some way, Joe Burrow is not the favorite. Dak is still the favorite on literally every single betting site. Mm. Like every single one. That's That's just, it's just weird. That's crazy to me. Um, but shout out, uh, Carson Wentz, he's plus 10,000. So if you want to put a hundred bucks on him, you might, uh, you might be in decent shape. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, this one, again, I have Burrow with this one. This is, this is the start of, I think what is going to be at, at least three straight Bengals awards for me, but yeah, uh, Burrow is just played incredibly this year. It's just fantastic. I mean, coming back from such an, an insane injury, I mean, you and I talked about this in like August that like. Uh, it's great that Burrow's back. It's great that he's healthy, but I shouldn't get my hopes up because nobody's ever this, ever like the same for a year. There's always a little bit of a, of a regression. So I shouldn't get worried if he struggles, but I mean, he didn't, there was, there yeah. wasn't really, I mean, he had one bad game against the bears. And other than that, he didn't have a bad game on his slate. He was playing great for the entire season aside from, you know, week two against Chicago, but yeah, it's just, it, it was incredible. He, he completely turned that team around along with Zach Taylor. Um, his, uh, his attitude brings a different culture to the building that they haven't had, I think, in the history of the franchise. Um, and there's a reason they're in the Super Bowl, and it's him. Um, and he, he's just played incredibly well in the playoffs and big games in the regular season. He's not afraid to just go out there and win the game for his team. I mean, he'll step up to any big moment if you ask him to. So Joe Burrow is my comeback player of the year. Now, Caleb, over to you. Coach of the year, uh, who do you think has been the best single caller all year? Yeah, this is a tough one. There's a lot of good candidates. And, you know, I think the Bengals, Bengals awards taketh and they giveth away because by um, giving Joe Burrow MVP, giving him pretty much all the credit for what the Bengals have done, I can't really give it to Zach Taylor. I think he's a good coach. Definitely up there would be top three for sure. But I don't, maybe it's a little biased. I don't know. I'm going to go with Mike Grable for coach of the year. And I think, um, 
just look at what they've done. I know they lost their first game in the playoffs, but they went 12 and five and the one seed despite their best player and their MVP, their heart and soul, Derrick Henry being out over half the season. And I just, I mean, everyone thought they were done when he went out. And despite not having an elite quarterback, not having a good offensive coordinator, quite frankly, um, they have, they kept going and they just kept finding ways to win, ended up somehow, some way getting the one seed. And that is just so impressive to me. You look at that roster, you look without Derrick Henry, Ryan Tannehill, no Derrick Henry. And, and you just wonder how did that team get the one seed in the AFC? I, I mean, I just can't explain it. So I think that as a coach, as a play caller, and for a culture builder, I think he really showed how good he was this year. So I'm going to go with Mike Grable for coach of the year. Yep. Uh, that's a, that's a completely fair and, you know, valid decision. Um, I would probably, I would, I would agree with you if the Bengals hadn't gone to the Super Bowl, but they did. Uh, and for that reason, I'm going to go with Zach Taylor. I kind of teased it earlier, bro. I got a lot of Bengals awards coming in a row here, but yeah, Zach Taylor. I mean, where do I start on this guy? He comes in, he's replacing an 18 year, just staple of the city and of the franchise Marvin Lewis in 2019. His first season, he is Andy Dalton, who really isn't that interested anymore. He's got a bunch of holdovers from the Lewis era. I don't really want to play for him. Team goes two and 14. It's bad, but they end the season on a bit of a high. Um, the next year, uh, you know, they draft Joe Burrow and I mean, everything kind of flips. I mean, I don't think you look on the surface of that season and you see it, but you can tell underneath, like underneath the surface, people were seeds are being planted uh, for a huge franchise. Just, you know, just blow up in a good way. Like it's they're, they're skyrocketing. And they did that in his third year. Um, and there were calls to fire him after the two and 14 season. There were calls to fire him after the five, 11 and one season, which I thought was fair. Um, but unless you could have gotten someone incredible, I wouldn't have fired him. I think sticking by him was a great decision from owner Mike Brown and uh, director of player personnel, Duke Tobin. Um, and he's, he's proven them right. I mean, 10 and seven has just been, has just been great as, as a team. They, he's an offensive guy and they had a top 10, uh, they had a top 10 points scoring offense. Um, their defense was pretty good, but the biggest thing to me is just about the culture. He, he has this, this team of mostly veterans and young players Um but it's really mostly veterans uh, on like on like on the fringes. Like the, the core is all these young players, but on the fringes, it's veterans. And every single person reported for OTAs on the first day this before this season started. And I think looking back on it, we can kind of look at that as a sign of things are going to be different in Cincinnati this year because um, everybody was buying in from the beginning. Obviously, the, the Lewis holdovers had to kind of go like Carlos Dunlap, Drake or Patrick. They didn't get along with Taylor that much, but eventually they got traded and cut. And, you know, kind of we have to live with that. But uh, Taylor and Burrow and, and Chase, everybody just bought into the culture these guys had. Um, he did a great job establishing it. His game plan, his game calling has improved massively over the season. It still needs a little bit of work, um, but it's improved massively over the season. And I still think people aren't giving him enough credit because everybody I see, uh, I, I'm listening to the to the Rick Ringer NFL show, and you know Stephen Ruiz is saying like, oh, uh, if, if the Bengals had uh, anybody but Zach Taylor, they they already you know they would have been the two seed, they would have been the one seed everybody's saying, oh, Zach Taylor's holding this team back. I, I just, I don't agree with that because I think if without Zach Taylor, they're not even here in the first place. Um, and I think he can get better, but people need to start giving him credit for as much of the franchise turnaround as they're giving Burrow because, uh, I mean, they could have hired Urban Meyer. I'm not kidding. They could have hired Urban Meyer and they didn't. They hired Zach Taylor. Um, and, and that's just such a, I mean, again, it's not a big bar to clear, but he cleared it and he cleared it pretty well. So for me, Zach Taylor is my coach of the year. Um, because I think he's done a great job 
in the Queen City Executive of the Year time now. Which person in the front office made the best moves? Caleb, what do you think? Uh, this is this has got to be the toughest one. I mean, this is going to sound kind of crazy, I think, but um, I'm going to say Jerry Jones. Interesting. And I know he definitely has his issues. I think he's a little bit too hands-on. But, um, I mean, he made good moves. He, the decision to draft Parsons, and also they traded back and still got him, was a really good move. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like, for the most part, giving Dak that extension has worked out pretty well so far. Um, signing Dan Quinn as defensive coordinator, I'm going to give him credit for that. Mm-hmm. I think that was a really, really good move that I kind of questioned just because of how poor the Falcons' defense had been in his, past, his last couple of years there. But that worked out tremendously. So I think... Overall, I wouldn't say he's a top executive, but for this season alone, he made a lot of good moves that definitely turned the Cowboys into a playoff team and a, and a good team. So I don't know for the long haul if I'd really love him as my executive, but there's no denying these uh, this past year. He made a lot of good and smart moves. Yeah, um, I think Jones has been great, especially what you mentioned um, about you know what – what he did with the draft. I mean, trading down was, was a great move and trading down and still getting Parsons was a great move, but the streak continues. And my executive of the year is Duke Tobin, the Bengals director of player personnel and a uh, long wind monologue coming again. But um, for me, Tobin is once again, very underappreciated in full circles. I think he didn't get a lot of rep for NFL executive of the year earlier when, you know, the AP voted on it. Because um, I think a lot of people still think Mike Brown calls the shots from Cincinnati, but that's not true. Um, he ceded complete control uh, of the organization to his daughter, um, and she appointed Duke Tobin. Uh, Duke Tobin and Elizabeth Blackburn have been like the two leaders um, in this in this Bengals clubhouse. I think for a while. I mean, Tobin kind of kind of secretly took over as they hired Taylor. That was like the big move as Tobin took over when Taylor took over. Um, and I think you're just seeing the benefits of this. I mean. This is guys who they who they sign in free agency. Riley Reef started 12 plus games for them at right tackle this season. Played very well. They got him for seven and a half million. Great signing. Larry Ogunjobi, incredible three technique. Had huge plays down the stretch in both the Chiefs regular season game and the playoff game against the Raiders. Losing him was a huge blow. But BJ Hill, whom he traded uh, Billy Price for, who was like their third string center, uh, had a hu- came in and replaced Ogunjobi excellently. I mean, he had a huge interception on Mahomes in the playoffs and throughout the season. And five and a half sacks was great. Um, I mean, this this Bengals defense has like basically been built by Tobin uh, because it's been mostly free agent signings, and it's really just been it, it just so impressive. Um, he signed Eli Apple. Eli Apple. I mean, again, Twitter ranting trash talking. Not a lot of people like him, but he's played pretty well for the Bengals the second half of the season. Um, but then I want to get to the, to the three biggest signings on this defense that he did this past off season. Uh, and Oh, also I got to shout out DJ reader. Nobody is guy coming from the Texans. Everybody thought they overpaid. He was great. He was a great move. Great, great signing there reader. But the three biggest signings all having this off season. First, Chidobi Ouzier, the corner on the outside. They took a flyer on him from Dallas. They gave him a three-year contract and boy, has he paid it off. He's been fantastic this year. I mean, you think he's got He's having to guard some incredible receivers and he's doing a great job of it. Um, he struggled against Devontae Adams, but who doesn't struggle against Devontae Adams? Outside of that, he's having a great season. He's got some huge interceptions. Um, second, I want to mention Trey Hendrickson. Uh, a lot of people graded him to be literally the worst signing of the offseason. The Bengals gave him four-year, $64 million contract. Everybody was thinking, 
oh, he just got cleanup sacks. Like, it really wasn't that impressive. Like, he didn't do anything. The stats, like, the advanced stats tell you these things. Like, this is all, like, national media. I mean, even myself, I was like, oh, that might have been a little bit of an overpay. But, man, did he pay it off. I mean, what a season. What a season for Trey Hendrickson. He played in- incredibly well. I- he had double-digit sacks. He set the Bengals franchise sack record. He had sacks in, like, nine straight games. Um, it was just it was so impressive um, from, from Trey Hendrickson. And, and I don't think a lot of people believed he could do it. Uh, and Tobin took a chance on him, believed in him and made a really smart signing. And thirdly, I want to mention Mike Hilton, who I think has emerged this year as the best, one of the best slot corners in football. He had some huge plays in the playoffs, especially against your Tennessee Titans. Um, he had a couple pick sixes earlier this year. He's been a, a, a massive addition for both leading the defense off the field and leading it on the field. It's been really impressive. Um, I mean, Coven also locked up Sam Hubbard long-term is great. He's probably going to lock up Jesse Bates long-term signed Von Bell. Who's been a fantastic addition. He drafted Logan Wilson. Who's been a key part to this defense. And he's also drafted exceptionally well too. Uh, you know, obviously it's hard to miss on burrow, but picked Jamar chase over Penny Sewell. That was the right move. And he picked Evan McPherson in the fifth round. So there's so much he's done um, to this Bengals team that nobody I think is giving credit for. And, and this Bengals roster mm-hmm. has been constructed by Duke Tobin. And it's the reason they're in the playoffs is because they have a great roster. Uh, and, and it's, it's the reason they made the Super Bowl is because this great is deep roster. I mean, there's so many reasons Bengals made the Super Bowl. One of them is this great roster that Duke Tobin assembled. And I think people need to start giving credit for it. So rant over. That's my executive of the year. Um, now, Caleb, we're going to move on to the next award. And uh, let's see here. Let's go with, uh, let's go with biggest disappointment. So what team player coach was, was the biggest disappointment for you this year? Hmm. This is this is really a tough one, um. But this is pretty easy for me, actually. When you really mm-hmm. sit and think about it, if we're just going big picture, mm-hmm. I'm gonna give it to a whole franchise, and I think a lot of people within that franchise. Biggest disappointment: Seattle Seahawks. Yeah. Um. I think that for one, I think Pete Carroll. I already said I thought he was a little overrated before this bad year, and he really showed he's just. I think he's getting kind of outdated. So I think he's been disappointed. Uh, Russell Wilson, obviously, he was hurt for a lot of it, but even when he was healthy, he did not play to the level that I thought he was. I thought he was a top three quarterback, and he just didn't play to that level even when he was healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, the And, I mean, DK Metcalf also had a disappointing year. The defense had a disappointing year. Pretty much everybody, everything in the Seahawks had a disappointing year this year. So I think that's a, a pretty good pick overall. I think I was – I mean, I had him 12-5, and five, so – yeah. Um, I mean, I thought they were quite disappointing. A lot of people within there were disappointing. So maybe they'll be better next year, but this year, pretty, pretty big yikes for me. Yeah, uh, it, it was definitely very, very poor from you know Seattle this year. My big, my biggest disappointment, um, I wouldn't have really predicted this coming out, and I feel like I might rag on him a little too hard, so I'm sorry. Um, but Trevor Lawrence just oh, mm. it was just such a bad year. I mean, really, just Jacksonville in general. I think, you know, I'm not going to sing a lot of Trevor Lawrence. I'm going to say J- the Jacksonville Jaguars in general. I'm aware their owner is terrible, but this year was just a disaster. I mean, to think. People predicted the Bengals and the Jaguars to have the same wins. Isn't that crazy? They had the same over-under before the season started. I mean, T-Law yeah. was poor. Urban Meyer was a disaster of a hiring. Yeah. In the last game of the season, fans literally showed up wearing clown masks and paper bags just to watch the real clowns. Indianapolis choke away a playoff spot. But yeah, yeah like it was that, just that was good. It, it was it was just not a good season from Jacksonville. I don't think anybody expected them to have even have a winning record. But um, I think three and fourteen does not 
show how incompetent this team was all season and how much Trevor Lawrence struggled when he was supposed to be like the next Messiah. And, uh, and Urban Meyer was just a disastrous hiring. I mean, it's almost like people could have seen this coming from a mile away. Uh, but yeah, it's just, just not good football overall from Jacksonville. It was just really poor. Um, so for that reason, they're my biggest disappointment. Um, but now we focus the, uh, the award show away from this year and actually on to next year, our final award of the afternoon, I'm going to say evening because, you know, award shows always happen in the evening. Our final award of the, uh, of the evening is biggest sleeper team for next year. So Caleb, who is one team you think isn't really getting much rep right now that could actually turn out to be a pretty good team next year. Like for example, do a Cincinnati Bengals come go from five wins to the Super Bowl, not really yeah. the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. explode. Yeah, I mean, we see it every year with the 49ers a couple of years ago, Cincinnati this year. There's always a team, not maybe not necessarily makes a Super Bowl, but there's always mm-hmm. a team that won like five or less games that is in the playoffs, wins a playoff game the next year. Just finding what team that is is the hard part. If you say the um, Giants, I, I think, swear to God. <laughs> okay. Um, you're kind of close, but oh God. Um, I, I, I just, I know, I, I really thought about this one. I didn't want to pick a team that already made the playoffs, obviously. That's kind of, like I just said, that's not really the point. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was, you're probably going to cringe with this. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm falling into the trap. I'm going to go New York Jets. Here we go. Uh, um, the Zach Wilson stand account yeah. is back. It strikes He's again. Back. I'm back. No, I just feel like, I mean, they have two top 10 picks this year mm-hmm. they have two second rounders in the top six so they have mm-hmm. four picks in the top 37 uh, so they're, they're really good for the draft they can get all their needs with those first four picks zach wilson second year in the system we really i know people said he was trash and he kind of was at times but he improved at the end of the season the way trevor Lawrence did not mm-hmm. okay that is true that, that is, true. is true. i think everyone would at least admit that so second year in the system, you know, young team, they're going to get better. Like I said, they have a bunch of draft capital. They got cap space. They can sign people. Um, I think Elijah Moore, the receiver, I expect him to, I think he's going to take a big step up next year. I think he's going to an under the radar receiver. I just think overall, I know it's weird. I know we like to make fun of the Jets. I get it. But I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to make the Super Bowl. They're not going to have a Bengals-like turnaround. But I think yeah. they could be a, a team that wins more games than everybody thinks. I think that's what's going to happen with the New York Jets okay. next year. That's fair. Um, I, I do see that. I, I like Salah a lot. Um, mm-hmm. I like I like their I like the fact that they have all these top picks. I do like how Zach Wilson improved. I think they have a pretty decent young core in place. Um, my my uh, my most improved it's kind of switched around a little bit um, because I mean, my sleeper team, I'm sorry, my sleeper team before I was thinking about this a while ago, like even once the season, end, I was like, these guys are really going to make some noise next year. If they kind of keep the band together and they make some smart off season decisions. Uh, and they didn't, unfortunately, but my sleeper team was going to be the Texans. I'm not kidding. Uh, I was going to come on the show. No, I get like, that. I the don't David Cully tech. Like I really thought if they kept Cully and they did smart off season moves, they could win like, seven eight games next well year. yeah i mean he won more games than you should have with the talent that exactly. they have i mean like assuming a davis assuming a davis mills not breakout but like improvement i think if you build that yeah. defense up I'd, I'd like it depends who they hire uh if they hire brian flores then i'm i'm firmly back on that texans train but uh, if they hire like josh mccown that's or even jonathan Bannon, who i like that's i don't what think it's gonna be just watch yeah just watch 
it's yeah, it's 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 oof. it's it's rough. The whole Texas organization is in the mud. But I I oh my god, I can't believe I just called an organization in the mud, and then this is going to be my sleeper team pick. Okay, we're here. We're sitting here. It's Saturday, February fifth, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna make this proclamation now. So when this team finishes second in their division next year on seven or eight wins, you can come back to the show and be like, wow, Luke is a real genius. The Detroit Lions are going to have seven or eight wins next year. Dan Campbell is going to win coach of the year. Jared Goff, who knows what he's going to do. I don't even know who's going to play quarterback for them. But Amon Ross St. Brown is going to break out. Um, and this Lions team is going to take advantage of a very, very weak Bears and a Vikings team um, and a very easy schedule considering they finish in last places here. They're going to play a last place schedule. They're going to play a lot of other bad teams that they can beat up on. And so for that reason, uh, crazy bold prick here, but I think that I think the Lions finish second in the NFC North next year. I really think and that's, they do. That's fair. That's actually fair. If Aaron Rodgers leaves, especially I think Rodgers that'll leaves. be oh, – that's the worst Rodgers. division in football if he yeah. leaves, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, we'll have to see. It's going to depend on either development from Goff or development from somebody they draft. But I think they're going to get actually better QB play next year. Obviously, DeAndre Swift is going to be back from those, like, nagging shoulder injuries. I really like Amon Ross St. Brown. I liked him when they drafted him, and now he's playing really well. I like how that defense came on strong towards the end of the year, um, and I really like Dan Campbell. So I'm, I'm sticking with the Lions. And, again, this is like this is one of the reasons I'm going with them, and, and this is why I dropped the Bengals reference because in the Bengals season, in which they lost, in which like in the Bengals season before they won, they blew up. So the 2020 Bengals is the pandemic Bengals. Um, their losses were really close. They lost in yeah. week one to the Chargers mm-hmm. on a missed chip shot that would have sent the game to overtime. Like that was bad. They lost by five in week two against the Browns on the road in a shootout. Um, although they got a little bit of help of a garbage time touchdown there. And they had a lot of wins later in the season that were like, sorry, not a lot of wins, a lot of losses that were close. I mean, they tied the Eagles. They could have beaten the Eagles. Obviously the Ravens game was a blowout, but they were beating the Colts 28 zero at some point in the first half. Um, the second Browns game, the Browns won on a last second touchdown. Um, the Steelers, the Steelers game was a blowout when they were in Pittsburgh, but Washington, if Burrow is healthy, they probably could have won that game. And then the, if Burrow is healthy, logic applies to literally the rest of the season. Um, the Giants game that that was 17 to 19, like that was coming down to the last drive. Um, the Dolphins game again, that was not as close as I think I was expecting it to be. And now there was the Cowboys game, but they then beat the Steelers and the Texans. So they had a lot of close games. And I think you see that trend a little bit with the Lions this past season, a lot of close games that the ball just bounces one other way. I think they would have a lot more wins than people would be expecting. So for that reason, I'm going firmly with the Lions as my sleeper team for 2022. Boy, I really hope that doesn't come back to bite me. I mean, it is a lion, so it might, but who even yeah. But uh, but yeah, that's that's all the awards. This was a, a mighty efficient award show. Usually, you know, the, like the Grammys and the Emmys last like three hours. I guess we don't really have any musical performances, Caleb. Yeah. I mean, if you want to just break out into song, I wouldn't be upset at that. But I mean, really, it's up to you. Can you hear? Yeah, me? no, I I think I'll pass on that one. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. That's going to conclude this episode of the all nine yards podcast. Um, Caleb, thanks for sticking around. Thanks for giving your rewards. Is there any, uh, any last things you want to say to the people? Um, you know, that's, uh, senior bowl today. That's kind of, I know probably starting next month, mm-hmm. probably maybe do a mock draft or something. That could yep, be fun. That's, I like uh, that's the plan. Once the Super Bowl's over, we'll do a Super Bowl review yeah. episode and then a mock draft the same week. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Um, Senior Bowl is today, the day we're recording, the Saturday. 
Mm-hmm. Um, Malik Willis, hey, yo. Speaking of the Lions, maybe Same. the Lions will win seven or eight games because they stole him at the end of the first round. Think about that. That's um, true. But he's been he's been looking good. Well, I don't know. Are you picking me pick thirty two? No, I think they're gonna pick him with pick thirty one. Uh, we'll see. But um, yeah, no, I think uh, that'll be a fun one. Then the Pro Bowl, I don't really care that much about the Pro Bowl. I'm not gonna lie, but yeah. that's fine. Um, and then the Super Bowl week, that's gonna be fun. Mm-hmm. It's going to be a great game. I can't believe I'm still pinched myself like once every few hours to say, are the Bengals actually in the Super Bowl? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. But it's fine. It's going to be a good one. It's gonna be, I'm, I think it's going to be a good game. Yep. It really should be a, a great showing. Senior Bowl, obviously. I mean, I used to get hyped for the Senior Bowl every year because the Bengals coaching staff would be coaching every year because they were bad. But now I don't have to do that anymore. So, like, yay, but also no nostalgia. But uh but yeah, I mean, this is uh, it's 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 a great week of uh, of you know just talking about everything this week, and the next week is really when the Super Bowl stuff ramps up. But I mean, I really feel like if they want to keep the Pro Bowl relevant, it should just abolish the game and make the skills challenge thing like the main event. Because I watched that, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I don't watch the game because like the, yeah. the the, the kick tac toe that's such a good idea. Like they should just do that like as the main event. I feel like that'd be cool. But, uh, but yeah, that is, uh, that's going to conclude this episode of the Online Yards Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. For my colleague, Caleb Arthur, I am Luke Leander, and we'll talk to you next time.